0: From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers Insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the rant. Uh, loads to talk about. I promise we're going to get to the kerfuffle. Not not the perfect word for that, but the kerfuffle at Penn State, the aftermath of that game. But let's just start with basketball. We are a sports podcast. I got to tell you, down 19, given how that team played against Michigan, I wouldn't have thought that Rutgers could score 19 points, much less erase a 19-point deficit. You've got to hand it to that team. Just an incredible comeback against Penn State. Maybe a season-saving comeback. Fonseca, you were there. I mean, just, just give me a sense. You, you sort of captured it in your story for the next morning. Give me a sense of just how cathartic that win looked like based on what you saw uh, coming off the court there.
2: Right. So the
0: visiting locker room at the BJC is adjacent to the press
2: room. So I'm waiting outside the press room for Steve Pico to walk in to do his press conference. And I'm looking at the locker room and I see him standing outside the locker room. Before he even steps in, he screams louder than I've ever heard him in my life. I've I've been around <laughs> him a lot. I've never heard him scream this loud. And when I talked to him one-on-one after, he denied it and said it was the players, it wasn't me, all this stuff. But you could tell just like the sigh of this. I called it a scream of relief they had just to kind of, because you're right, if they lose that game, especially the direction that was going, that looked yeah. a lot closer to a 30 point loss than a three point win. That would have like completely, you know. I was the only one really for a long time saying that, you know, ringing the bells, that would have set alarm bells throughout everybody. Like everybody would realize this is, that's your fifth loss in six games. You're fighting for to not finish in the bottom four instead of finishing in the top four. The season goes completely off the rails. For them to turn that game around and win it completely turns around the season, we can discuss a bit on what it means because I think a lot of people are taking victory laps for still believing when they were down 19. I think. That game was as much lost by Penn State as it was won by Rutgers. Rutgers, you jinxed them completely by saying, in a good way, by bringing up your article about how their offense is horrendous, and then the second half they score at 1.5 points per possession, which is
0: absurd, absurd. I control, I control the universe with my Twitter feed. People should know that by now. And and I, I only use it at times when I think it's most important, and that was one of these incidents where I decided I should, I should change the course of history by tweeting. Well, they
2: must have seen it in the locker room because they hit every tough shot, every mid-range jumper. Oscar Palmquist hit two. Oscar Palmquist's role is every time he gets an open three, he has to hit it. He hit both his open threes. Caleb McConnell turned into prime Kobe Bryant, hitting mid-range jumpers, big threes. Uh, Cam Spencer was creating space. Steve Peichel was running the triangle offense, running the same play over and over and over again and finding open looks. Uh, Everything worked out offensively for Rutgers. It's worth pointing out that Penn State has... The third worst defense in the Big Ten. They have mm-hmm. no big, but all that being said, yeah, that Great. was not something that Rutgers took advantage of in the first half, and they really took advantage of it in the second half. And then on the other end, Penn State missed every open shot they could take. Seth Lundy, the second best three-point shooter in the Big Ten, went, I think, 0 of 11 on threes the whole game. Rutgers got some more three-point luck against Penn State, but to its credit, they defended the heck out of Jalen Pickett, made the rest of Penn State
0: beat Rutgers, and uh, the supporting cast really could do nothing. I mean, it's just uh, you give Steve Peichel credit because he made in-game adjustments. They looked, that looked like a, a bad JV high school basketball team on offense in the first. There's no other way to put it. I mean, it was just it was sloppy. It was, I mean, you just didn't know what they were doing. Paul McKee he looked lost. And, and then, Pat, I think they just put the ball in Derek Simpson's hands and you know, we saw flashes of what that kid can do driving to the basket um, in in early games. I, I, he sort of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I, I don't know what happened there, but you know, it, it was just a, it was just a good decision, uh, and the game was great. I mean, just legit great. He made some moves to the basket in that second half, especially the 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 driving layup for with the and one that that, that kind of put them over the top. It, it just it in a, in a, really an impressive game.
1: It was an incredible game for Simpson. The high ball screen was working incredibly well. You know, he gave a shout out to Cliff and and Wolf. Like, they were offensive linemen after the game, which was kind of exactly what it was. They kind of set it up for him perfectly, and his speed allowed him to get to the basket. I don't know how sustainable it is. Like, you're not going to get 16 points a game from Derek Simpson every time, but it certainly worked in that scenario, and he had that huge game against Indiana, if you remember, at the beginning of the season. So he's had his moments to shine, and this was just a perfect example of that. I'm sure we'll get into it about the rotation at some point in this conversation. I would love to see how Heiko addresses the rotation from here on out, whether Simpson kind of e- makes his way into the starting role, how many minutes he gets per game. That, that'll be fascinating to watch over the next uh, couple games.
0: Yeah, let's go there now. I mean, they, they there have been a lot of, a lot of re- readers chimed in about you know, getting him in the starting rotation. They only have six and a half guys. It's not like there's... You know, it's not like he's gonna play a lot of minutes, Brian. do you think do you think this calls for a lineup change? But you know, it is it is March now. I mean the next game's in March. It's not exactly the time you start doing a lot of heavy tinkering They have a lot of experienced guys still in the lineup. I mean, what do you think Steve Peichel's gonna do in this next game?
2: Steve is not gonna start Dirk Simpson. I would be shocked. He just does not mess with starting lineups. He doesn't he doesn't want to put Paul McCahy, a guy who's a senior, on the bench. I, I would just be
0: surprised if he did that. I. What would, about Hyatt? Could he, could he could he put Hyatt on the bench? Hyatt was coming off the bench. He was it was better in that role earlier in the season. Could they switch those two? So you're putting your two point guards in the starting lineup. I'm just they, spitballing here. What I mean, you know, not, it, like like you alluded to, they have
2: no depth, right? There's not really much room for for maneuvering here. I think I could see Derrick Simpson playing more minutes, maybe 25 instead of 20 a night. Paul Mc has struggled significantly as of late. I don't know if it's some people are speculating about his injury, about his shoulder. The injury he tweaked the other day was his opposite shoulder from the one he hurt at the start of the year. So I don't know how impactful that is at all. But the truth is he's he went 0 of 6. He didn't score. He looked tentative offensively. And Simpson kind of had a one-track mind. He gets the ball. He goes downhill. He gets to the basket, and he scores, mm-hmm. right? Not particularly efficiently. He was 6 of 14, right? But he hit tough shots at big moments, which is there's something to be said there. One one thing worth mentioning with Simpson, right? He I think he had zero turnovers. I think Rutgers had four turnovers as a team. That's easy to do when you play the third worst turnover rate defense in the country. Penn State does not pressure. They don't force turnovers. So it's a relatively easy assignment for a freshman guard because he doesn't have to worry about that pressure. What happens when you play a team that does pressure you, that does try to force you turnovers? Like Temple, like he struggled a lot against Temple earlier in the season. Obviously, he's had a lot of playing time and he's developed a significant amount in the last two or three months. But that's always a question you have with freshman guards. Paul Mulcahy is not the most secure ball handler in the world, but you trust him a lot more with the ball in his hands in March in these big moments. But I guess Derek Simpson won't learn how to play in those moments until he does play in them. So I don't know. I, I think I, to wrap this around, I think Derek gets a little bit more minutes because of that. He really showed he's one of the few sparks plugs in this offense that can create things when there's nothing there. Because like you said, in the first half, it was really just dribble, dribble, pass, dribble, blocked, uh, the, unable to get to the rim, throw up a shot as the shot clock uh, expires, right? So he adds something they don't have otherwise, but I don't know how if the trade-off there is worth it. If that makes sense,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, I'm still, you know, this team still scored 59 points. It's the second time they've scored in the 50s and won a game in this stretch. I mean, I'm still not. I, I don't know. It's good. They needed that win. That kicks all the pressure off their NCAA stuff. Uh, I think if they if you beat Minnesota, you got to beat Minnesota. They're terrible. You know, they're going to get in. I just wonder that you're right, Pat, when you say it's not sustainable, I just think they're going to really have to, there's going to be another close game. They're going to have to win these games, low scoring games. They just haven't shown the ability to to do anything else.
1: Yeah. But at some point each game, someone has stepped up when they win games, when they win games, let me preface it by saying that when they win games, it's someone stepping up who you don't suspect to be stepping up Like Andre Hyatt had his game against Penn state. The first time Simpson, this time, Right. Palmquist has had big moments. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he has a bounce back game here. At some point, Cliff has a just a, a dominant game. The way Rutgers scores and the way the production is so balanced that you never know who is exactly going to be the big guy on any given night. I think that's uh, not exactly the recipe for March, right? Like you want one great right. scorer in March, like a Ron Harper or somebody like that. But for now, it's at least a way to to keep teams on their feet, I guess,
0: keep teams on their toes. So, all right, let's let's talk about everyone's Rutgers at Rutgers favorite topic, Penn State fans. And I knew something was that you're watching the end of the game, and Brian, you were there, she didn't see it on TV, but Pat, I'm sure you saw what I saw. Where when you when you saw the way that both uh, Cam Spencer and Caleb McConnell, two guys who don't do this right, to see the way that they were responding after that victory and it was it was directed at the crowd it was very uh over the top and i i looked at it and i'm like my first reaction well that's not cool but then my second reaction was very basic well that's not them either that there's some you know there's something up about that it turns out there was there certainly was something up Brian, did you did you get the sense when you were there that that something was going on with the crowd i mean what take take put us in the gym was was that was that something people were talking about in the arena
2: no, uh, I I found out. So I only found out about the Caleb McConnell uh, talking to Michael Shrewsbury for some time in the handshake line because you texted me and saw it on TV. I noticed Cam Spencer celebrating, throwing the ball across the court when the game ended, but I didn't notice him jawing at the fans. And uh, I mean, uh, the crowd was better there than I've ever seen it at Penn State. That's not saying much, but yeah, I didn't realize uh, the scope of this until that tweet. Uh, with the screenshot from the group me of the fans uh, of a student section acknowledging the vulgar words that were said uh, allegedly vulgar and racist in that in that email vulgar and
0: racist right o- I mean, allegedly was... yes right
2: yes uh, i think the, i think the words were n
0: words and f bombs yeah. we didn't um, pull that out of thin air that was, yeah. that was something that came into that was a to, that was, that from was the Penn pit. State
1: students saying, <laughs> students saying, we need exactly. to cut this out.
0: <laughs> yes. yes, guys, let's stop throwing around the N-word. Oh, great idea. Yeah, I was like, I mean, what the heck? This is, I mean, it's just I, mean, I saw that, I was like, this is crazy.
2: Yes, and then obviously we had a long day yesterday of communicating with Penn State people, and Penn State did a very swift, thorough investigation, and by 8 o'clock Monday night realized that no racial words amazing. were used. They discussed it with many people allegedly. Uh, they noted talking to AD Pet Hobbs, people in the Rutgers traveling party, the Penn State police. It took about eight hours for them to realize that no racial words were allegedly used. Um, so I'm sure that this will close the door
0: and definitively, and we will know for a fact uh-huh. for the rest of the time, forever. That yeah. If there's one thing you can count on, guys, you can count on a Penn State internal investigation, right? I mean, this should have been a statement. It was just horseplay. I'm sorry, I stole that from someone from Twitter. Great line, whoever that was on Twitter. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, that, that I don't know, Pat. The statement was the statement was kind of weak. I thought the apology was kind of weak. And I, it's a bad. I get it. You're in a bad position if you're, you know, if you're the ED because you don't want to say if it didn't happen. You can't really tell if it if it happened or not. Clearly, from I, talking to people, it was vulgar and player directed. I know that for a fact. I mean, that, that, that was what everyone said. They're just, they're just riding Caleb McConnell and that's, and that's bad in itself. You know, I mean, just, I, I, I get it. It happens everywhere, but still it was obviously for records to react that way for that statement to come out. It was just something happened. Right. I mean, I'm I, not.
1: Remember in, in football season when we had the big, there was the big national news story about teams going up the same tunnel and altercations happening in the tunnel i think there needs to be some sort of conversation about having students sit behind the opposing team's bench because that seems to be just the perfect storm for scenarios like this to happen too
0: where I else is that the, is that any place else uh, that's a great question that,
1: i think illinois right
2: illinois maryland michigan state huh wow i didn't also realize that. Head. yeah yeah
1: and it like I said, it just set it sets the it sets the stage for this kind of scenario. But regardless of that, whether it happened or not, the the statements from Penn Penn State were kind of like word salad. Ex- exactly what you would expect them to say. And I don't I don't really know what to make of it. But the one thing I will say is that no one at Rutgers made a big deal about it publicly, at least. Right, right. They no commented. They didn't want to make a big scene about it. So. If unless there there was no outrage from the Rutgers side, so that's why it kind of is going to just go into the air and be swept under the carpet, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and that was good, and that was the right move by Rutgers. A hundred percent. You don't want to make it a big deal. You want to focus on your season. The moment you the moment you make it a big deal, you're going to have you know people like me down there and in Piscataway on Wednesday before your big game against against Minnesota asking questions about it i understand that completely yeah it's just it's just become a national issue a national story you mentioned in your in your uh, post on this that that's not going away and it's just uh, it's really sad i just hate the fact that these college athletes can't can't go to games without without this stuff happening i am curious to know this is this is not
2: something that's just recently started happening this has been happening for half a century probably they probably did this in the 70s and the 80s they're probably just as vulgar, if not more, right? Not to excuse it. I'm just saying this is probably a long-term <laughs> college sports tradition. I reckon it happens at most places, far more places that, that care to admit. Apparently, Penn State was not even the worst they've had, they've seen this year on the road, right? So I, I agree that there's a national conversation to be had about this. I don't know exactly what the solution is, other than to muzzle students because uh, they're gonna they're gonna say what they're gonna say. So uh, they're gonna have to do something. I just don't know. Maybe having a police Person sitting in the student section. If you catch one person saying something over the line, you kick them out of the game. That's really the only
0: solution I can think of. All right, uh, let's move on and dive into true/false really quick. I only have a few items, but good items, of course. You guys know how this works. True or false? This victory against Penn State will galvanize the team. Galvanize the team. I've heard that before, Fonseca. What do you think? Is this the one that's going to change change the course of the season? True or false?
2: Well, if you ask people around the program, they didn't didn't need any galvanizing. They're fine. So I'll say false. There's no need for galvanizing. No need for galvanizing. Pat?
1: I'm going to say true. I mean, down 19, that was a 20-year comeback. So, yeah, I'm going to say true. Okay. Much needed.
0: Uh, I'll go true as well. True or false? Stop it, Polity. They were lucky to win the game. I mean... To think both things can be true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right? I mean, Brian, were they lucky to win that game? You need uh, every bit of luck to come back from nineteen points down. So yeah, true, of course, and that's not yeah, that's not their fault. Yeah, Pat, true or false?
1: Absolutely. I was waiting for a Micah Shrewsbury explosion in the press conference that didn't happen. He just yeah. said he got out coached, but that was uh, a lot of man, oh, yeah. a lot of luck there.
0: a Lot of missed shots. All right, uh true or false? It is Senior Day coming up this weekend. Cliff Omori will be back next year. True or false? He's not walking in senior day. Interesting. Does that mean he's going to be back? What do you think? One second. I don't think he knows, to be quite honest yet.
2: Oh, um, okay. So uh, this is purely guessing me. I will say
0: true. Wow. Okay.
1: Pat? I'll say true as well. I think he still needs some development. I think he should be back
0: next year. It's a shame he can't get NIL money. I'm going to say false for now, and hopefully he will be. All right, true or false, Paul Mokahi will be back next year. Is he done with college, Brian? True or false? True, he will be back next year. He will be back, okay. I
2: I expect him to be back, yes. All right, Pat.
1: He's Mr. Rucker, the way Michael talks about him, so... I think he'll be back as well. True, John Newman
0: and the boys get him a check for some money at the NIL. He would be back next year. Uh, true. All right. Andre Hyatt will be back next year. True or false. Does he even have eligibility before I put him on this list? He does, right? Will he be back? He
2: does. Good. Very Shoot. very interesting. I think, I think he will be back, but he is going to be competing for a position with five-star freshman Gavin Griffiths. And yeah. uh, so – Does he want to come back and do that? Does he want to go somewhere where he can play more minutes? Uh, Interesting situation.
0: I'm going to say true. Okay. Pat, do you think he's going to be back?
1: Yeah. Keep the nucleus. We're bringing the band back
0: together. True or false. Caleb McConnell has a 17th year of eligibility. True or false. I know that's false. I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, True or false. Rutgers will beat Minnesota easily on Thursday. Uh, Rompfest. Stop worrying. True or false. What do you think, Brian? They better
2: after not wanting to move their game to Tuesday to accommodate Michigan no State. Bite. And also they better because Minnesota stinks. I said that last time and people got worried and then Rutgers won by 35 points. Mm-hmm. I think they'll win this one by 15 rather easily. Okay. True. Okay. Pat? I'm
1: going to say false because they're still trying to figure out this offense.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any easy with this team at this point. I will go false as well. I'm going to add one because Brian mentioned it. True or false? Rutgers was absolutely right not to move the game from against Minnesota. True or false? Listen, I I don't care about it too much. I'm going to say false, but I can understand why they didn't
2: want
1: to move it. Pat? I tend to uh, go with the ethos of this situation, and you should have bent over back for Michigan State after all they've been through. So I'm going to say uh, true. They should have moved the game.
0: I'm going to go 100% false. I think the, the easy solution is to not play the game. I mean, why are they even? Why is this a conversation? Just don't play the game. That's a terrible thing happened. What do you need? You just to, so Penn State can finish fourth instead of sixth? I mean, so Michigan State can finish fourth instead of sixth with an easy win? Who cares? Don't play the game. All right. That's my opinion on that one. And finally, true or false? And this is going to segue into a great uh, text we got from a reader. Rutgers will get a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. True or false, Brian? It's a double buy possible. Is that going to happen? Possible? Yes. Going to happen? No.
2: I'll go false. Pat?
1: They beat, let's go. They beat, <laughs> they beat Minnesota and they beat Northwestern at home to close out the season. Everything
0: else falls into place. You're they get go. the double by like it. it. We could talk you into anything. I love it. That's All right. It. I'm, I'm going to go false, but I think it's going to be really close. All right. So this is the, uh, thank you to, uh, the texter, Tony and Lawrence, one of my favorites texted this to our, our, our Rutgers insider, please subscribe, uh, program. Not a question, but a PSA. There are fourteen total big ten games left with twelve relevant to the double by determination Of those twelve, if home teams win eleven and Rutgers wins at Minnesota, weird number the number three seed. There are other positive scenarios for us, but this is pretty straightforward and as likely as any other scenario. Thank you, Tony. So I went there and I got down the um, I got out the whole thing here. and I, I and of course, you know, just trying to process it even with that few games it's just basically impossible every team in the league is 11 and 7 or 10 and 8 so there are every team but there are seven teams in that position but it's not as crazy as you would think it would be right so you got maryland they're, the, they're currently in sec- they're at ohio state at penn state all right two road games you got northwestern penn state at rutgers all right maybe they win one of those two I mean, you look at it at Michigan's, at Illinois, and at Indiana. Again, it's like uh, Iowa's at Indiana playing a red hot in Nebraska. Okay, that that's a bit of a force. Uh, you can see though that there's a, uh, I don't know, Brian. It's convoluted. bail me out here. here. It's convoluted. Bail me out here, somebody. Look, let,
2: let's let the first the the 19th games get played first before we start doing all the scenarios because you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Maryland isn't gonna lose both games to Ohio State and Penn State. That's one team that's going to. Be ahead of Rutgers unless they win their two games. Uh, Michigan and, and Indiana go head to head. If Michigan wins, they guarantee ahead. They're ahead of Rutgers because they have the tiebreaker head to head. Right. Uh, I think Iowa plays Indiana. If Iowa wins, or they, they have the same record as Rutgers, they have the tiebreaker. Let 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 the first games get through. Let Rutgers beat Minnesota first. Like I, I they're going to beat Minnesota. You, this let's, is no fun. Well, all right, we could we could we could spend 3 hours on a podcast doing all the scenarios, right? Or we can I just- think
0: it's as simple as though you root for Indy, you root for Indiana. They play Iowa and Michigan. They're the they're, I think they're clearly the second best team in the league right now. They win those two games, that knocks Michigan down one. Okay, we covered that. So then you're rooting for you're rooting for the the 10 win teams to win. So if Illinois beats Michigan and loses to Purdue, huh? see, that they're out of it now. All right, this is tough. You're right. Wait, this if, is Il- if Illinois
2: beats Michigan,
0: Rutgers yeah. would still need to win both of their games. They need to in that in my scenario, Rutgers needs to win both of their games. Yes, oh, we're just assuming regardless. Rutgers
2: wins both of their games, as we've seen. We're not assuming, we're,
0: as we've seen in the, the conversation. past three Well, right. they're not playing the they're not playing 76 Indiana here. They're not playing the Lou Alcindor UCLA team or playing Northwestern and Minnesota. They could win both those games.
2: They're not playing Nebraska, who's clearly. <laughs> One of the better teams in the Big Ten that
0: just Hey, wait a them. second.
1: Hey, wait a second. <laughs> right, right. Save Nebraska. Yeah. Beat Rutgers, beat Maryland.
2: That's what I'm saying. They're not playing
0: juggernauts like Nebraska. Oh, they're playing oh, they're
1: gotcha,
2: playing
0: gotcha. uh, oh, poor little
1: playing
0: Poor little second place
2: Northwestern. Right. You know,
0: I will say this. I don't know if the if the double buy really does help anybody because you're still gonna play a you're gonna play a better team in that game anyway. I mean they Rutgers had it last year. And look what happened. I mean, they got destroyed at the Big Ten tournament. In what was a what was a quick trip for us to where were we? Indiana, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yeah, quick yes. trip to Indianapolis. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway,
2: well, look, you get the double buy, the minuscule chance of winning a Big Ten tournament goes up a little bit, right? There's one less game you got to win.
0: Oh, <clears> this <throat> is true. This is true.
2: You know, like I, I don't think it's likely that Rutgers wins the Big Ten tournament. I don't even. I'm not even sure it's likely they make it to a final,
0: but. You know, you got to be in it to win it. So gotta be in it to win it. Yeah, and it is. I mean, again, it is a crazy it is crazier in the Big Ten. The fact that we're that there are nine teams that can finish third, essentially, or we're looking at now kind of wild. Uh, all right. Good job, Tony, for bringing that to attention. We to the to the several uh, texters who asked us to shed some light on this. I'm sorry. We can't. But I think you would root for Indiana. And root for Michigan to lose, and just hope that Rutgers win both games and you'll have a shot. And always uh, root for Nebraska. And always root for Nebraska. I don't know, Whatever. You guess you can do that. All right. Some more questions, folks, uh, from our friends. Uh, a lot of people wondering what to do with Paul Mulcahy and what the problem with Paul Mulcahy is. I mean, I think the answer is. You're not going to do anything. But a few games ago, Paul Mckay looked like he aggravated aggravated the shoulder stinger. How much, if anything, is that contributing to his run of bad games? That's one. That's from Tony again. Any chance we'll see a four guard lineup with Simpson replacing Hyatt? Thank you for putting that in there. Gives him the closest thing to what they had with Jacob Younger and Geo Baker. A, a good po- a good point there. Um, and Tom G from Florida, I think this is the first time he asked the question, uh, wants wants to know if, if coach is seeing that Mulcahy dribble dances into the paint with no intention of shooting and opponents seem to have figured out that Mulcahy is not an offensive threat. Brian, take any and all of those questions. What are we doing with Paul Mulcahy? You're letting him play through these issues and hoping
2: that, one, he gets a little bit more aggressive shooting. He's just not taking as many shots as he used to. Maybe the shoulder thing is an issue, but if his shoulder was so banged up that he, he like, can't do anything, I would think that he wouldn't play, right? Because at that point, you're just hurting the team if your shoulder is literally not letting you shoot the ball. So he has to be more aggressive. He has to hope his teammates hit more shots because when they hit more shots, things open up for him. And I guess you play him five less minutes and give those other minutes to Derek Simpson. I'm not so sure they'll play a four-guard lineup. I don't think they have played that often under Paykel. Um, I think, and especially not in the Big Ten, where every team has a big man who can really exploit you if you go too small. Uh, Penn State has learned that the hard way. I don't know. They, I think Rutgers really needs Paul McKay to get back to uh, n- not even his best, but, you know, playing better because his, their ceiling goes up a lot higher when he plays better. I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to get out of this slump in time. Uh, the seasons, like we have mentioned, there's two games left in the regular season, uh, minimum two games left in the postseason. His window of, of improving is, is closing.
0: Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University Campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. Yeah, uh, I Pat, I, I I do agree with what Brian said, and I, and I think he will get out of it. I do. He plays Minnesota. That that's an, that's a good matchup for him, and I think Northwestern is a good matchup for the Good defense better defensively, but still a, a decent matchup for him. And I wrote it early in the season like this: he's this team is going to go as far as he can carry them, and I don't think that's changed.
1: I don't. I don't think that's changed either, and. In- just look at the way the team struggled when he struggled. There's obviously a comparison there to be made as well. Look at his game against Michigan State at the Garden. That was a thing of beauty that he really put the team on his back. So like like you guys said, just let him figure it out, and uh, the ship will sail on.
0: All right, a bunch of questions on the Rutgers offense. Uh, and it's funny, it's, it's it's one of these things that divides the fan base. Um, I wrote a column about it, and then it was after the Michigan game, and I, I just – I just saw some things in the Michigan game that, again, that just non—I just didn't know what they were doing, and I—I I felt that way a lot watching Steve Peichel's teams. Um, I think people took that as me saying Steve Peichel can't coach offense. I didn't really write that. I just said he has to find a way to fix it. And this is, uh, readers are divided on it. One said, plenty. I'm not sure I agree with the idea that Pike can't coach offense. He got the gritty players he needed to be consistently good playing defense to attract the flashy offensive kids. Now we'll see if he can coach both offense and defense. What do you think? I guess that's a good, I mean, this is something we, when you're covering a college team, you try not to. Put it on personnel? Is the heaping on personnel as much because they're not the ones making $4 million? Is this a personnel thing, Brian, with offense? I mean, is it, is it as simple as getting, you know, getting Ace Bailey, uh, get, getting Gavin, Gavin Griffiths? I mean, is it, is it as simple as that?
2: Every offense in the history of basketball looks better when the players executing it make shots. Rutgers is not making shots right now. Since Mawad Mac has gotten hurt, they're shooting 43% on twos. 43% on twos. You can't shoot 43% on twos. They're already shooting 30 something percent on threes at low 30%, something like 31 or 32 that you, you just can't, when you're not putting the ball in the basket, your offense is going to look bad. I think people saw the, tw- the clip on Twitter circulating of that one play. They kept running chest middle, every They ran it like five times in the second half against Penn state. It was working and they kept operating. That play looked marvelous. Every time the ball went in the basket. What if they had missed five of those shots? would people would be saying that they can't coach offense clearly steve peichel and his staff know how to coach offense like that's never in question it's always about execution and they don't have the horses to consistently there's not who's the one guy on this roster who you need a bucket you need someone to create a, a, a basket i still don't think they have it they don't have a reliable big man you could dump it into and score because cliff as i wrote last week has the lowest per- shooting percentage on layups of any player in the big 10 who took at least hundred layups this season. They don't have a reliable three point shooter who can create his own shot. Cam Spencer can shoot well, but he has to have some help, some screens open up his space. And uh, aside from Derek Simpson, who did it against Penn state in Indiana, they don't have a guy who can just dribble into the paint and create something, get fouled score. So, they, they yeah to answer your question it's it's the personnel they don't have enough poor personnel enough horses to run an efficient offense and that's why they're 170th nationally in offensive
0: efficiency just a ca- counterpoint and this is this is what i will say if you if you put thir- the other 13 big 10 teams in front of me i could probably summarize their offensive identity in a sentence or two maybe not all 13 but like penn state i could do michigan michigan state what Pat, what is Rutgers' offensive Explain to me in a sentence wow. what is the Rutgers offensive wow. identity? Seven years in the Steve Peikle, wow. I struggle to do it. And I'm not again, I get it. Like he does not have, I mean, he does not have um think Kobe they Bryan want to
1: there. play big through Cliff.
0: They yeah, but they, but, they through cliff,
1: but they don't but do they don't But they don't. No, they don't. But I think that's what they want to do. And uh it just hasn't happened. Maybe because of execution, maybe because uh of another reason, but they are they so such easy to an defend had such an advantage against Penn State in the paint and they just couldn't they right. couldn't yeah. execute it
0: because penn state did what every team has done which is they push they push cliff 5 feet from the basket and they make man up on on spencer and make sure he can't shoot right
1: yeah i'm, yeah, I'm
2: 100% like... well that this proves my point when you have teams that can't shoot threes you can pack the paint and put three guys in the in the paint and not let cliff get shots because you can leave everyone open, they're not going to make threes. You, you, you think Penn State when Caleb McConnell was wide open shooting a three is like, oh no, we left them open. We left a twenty four percent three point shooter open. Like, like no, like th- 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 those are risks you take. And then even when you give Cliff the ball in the paint, he's shooting forty eight percent on layups. Like yeah. it, it's that's, it's the personnel. Tough. If if Steve Pykele had Zach Eady, I think the offense would look a little bit better. If he had Trace Jackson Davis the offense would look better. If you had Miller Cobb, who could shoot shooting something like 44% on threes, the offense would look better. It's the personnel. And and look, that goes back to the coaching staff because personnel is all about recruiting and getting good players, right? Obviously, they're fixing that in the upcoming classes. But until you can get guys who could score, you're going to be what this team is. This team is a a team that will defend its its butt off, hold you below 65 points, and eke out enough points throughout a game to beat you. That's just the way it is. I mean... uh, and that's the way it's been the entirety of Steve Pykal's tenure here. Like outside of you know Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker developing into decent offensive tool uh, players, it just it's just this just what it's been. And you can get an identity when you have a good. Like, what is Purdue's identity?
0: Dump the ball into the best big man in college basketball of the last ten years and let him score. And then this is not the first time Purdue's been good offensively, though. I mean, this Matt Painter's had had a bunch of teams that, well they've had great. They've had good players, sure, but yeah, but they've. I mean. Their
2: identities right. get a a big man who's taller than everyone else in college basketball. Let him score around the rim at sixty percent, and then have shooters who can nail it down in the perimeter.
0: Yeah, good debate. We we'll look forward to next year, next couple of years, when when they do have uh, good players to see to see what happens. So that'd be fun. All right. Along those lines, hey, look at this great transition. A recruiting question: Do we get Harper? Do we get Kurtang Katang? Ah, I love that name. Odds, odds on getting those two players. All right, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about Kurt Tang. I will tell you, I have been around. I'm doing just a little preview, I'm doing a little feature on Dylan Harper, whose uh, high school team, Don Bosco, unfortunately lost. Yes, last night. Uh, I will tell you this. I mean, this is not one of these situations where Rutgers is. Oh, Rutgers isn't in the top five, but you know, we don't expect it. I have, I mean, I think they're definitely in with this kid and I don't think a decision has been made. It's going to be them or Duke. And I, I mean, if you had to, co- to-, to toss a coin on that one, heads your tails, that gets 50, 50 and Harper Kurtang, Brian, do we know what, uh, he was at the game. You talked to him briefly. What do we know about
2: him? Kurtang was at the game. He was on his official visit to Rutgers last week. Uh, I, I talked to him briefly to get his contact information. I re- I have not been able to talk to him since the visit to get a gauge mm-hmm. on how it went. Um, But Rutgers is in it for him. I think them, Providence, and Michigan State are really the three teams he's looking at. Uh, Michigan State, he took an official visit to in the fall, and people thought he was going to go there based on how well that went. Uh, It seems like they've cooled off on each other, I would guess, given that he has not committed there yet. Uh, So really, it seems like it's going to be Rutgers and Providence. And I would say Rutgers has a good shot with him. I don't know if I would call it a lock or anything of that sort, but I would say that Rutgers has... Uh, a decent chance of getting
0: uh, your new favorite player Kurtang, Kurtang. Uh, on into the fold. Yeah, and, then, and 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 obviously to get Dylan Harper, Pat, that that would be the biggest recruit Rutgers has ever gotten. I would I would think bigger than Ace Bailey because he's in state, higher ranked. Uh, and the beat be Duke the, yeah. the process
1: has gone on and on as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Like and he's just obviously the legacy with his brother seems like uh it would be quite a big deal so yeah and,
0: yeah and that kid is i mean brian you were at the game uh one of their games in this tournament i've watched him play a couple of times now he is really good and he is still only 16 and he's still growing and he can handle the ball he's bigger than bigger than ron already um yeah i mean that would be a transcendent uh recruit yeah
2: i watched him play about five times this year and every time i'm i always come away impressed just his ability to control the game, uh, just he plays at his own pace. It feels like he's playing, you know, a step ahead of everybody. Um, he's able, to, like you said, great handle on the ball, can finish around the rim. Uh, his shooting could use some work, but that's to be expected for a 16-year-old. And yeah, I mean, the, the kid is is very impressive. And I would agree with you for all those reasons that he would be the biggest recruit in program history. But he would also like cap off the class, right? Like he is right. the one crown jewel missing. Then you have two top 10 players. You have every position covered except for center, which you could always fill in the portal. And you'd have a 2024, 20, 25 roster that you're looking at like, this is Duke level in terms of having elite freshmen and a chance of doing something really special at Rutgers that uh, hasn't happened since 76. All
0: right. We got a bunch of questions, a bunch, a bunch, bunch, about whether Penn state will apology, apologize for what happened. Did, uh, I don't know, did, did the statement last night qualify as an apology? Does that answer it? Do you think? No, Pat, you're not. I don't, I it? don't,
1: I don't yeah. think it, I don't think there was ever one. Um, They said, we're disappointed with the conduct and, right. but there was never a, a flat out like we're deeply sorry for the Rutgers players or anyone that went through this. So no, there was no official apology.
0: Right. Right. Uh, And Sue in Somerset wants to know any clue to what coach Shrewsbury and McConnell were talking about at the handshake line touched on that a little bit. I I really think that it was uh, about, I I don't think Shrewsbury understood why Caleb McConnell was uh, reacting the way he did at the end of the game because they were just riding him mercilessly. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear if you followed any, if you've watched Caleb McConnell for these five years, you know he is just an excellent person that you want representing your program. That was just that was just a bad scene, right, Brian? I mean, there's no that then that 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 that's the only explanation.
2: I pulled Caleb aside after the press conference and asked him, and he said that he was telling Micah that he has a great program, and Micah was telling him that he's a great player that he likes coaching against. I have a feeling there were a little bit more words exchanged there. But similar to the um, situation with the fans, I think everyone kind of just wanted to move on and move past it and not really play it out in the court of public opinion, which is unfortunate because I was really looking forward to hearing the intimate details of what they were saying.
0: But it is what it is. He liked to play it out. We we are the court of public opinion. Damn it. All right. Uh, Another ref blunder. A couple people pointed this out. Uh, my friend Ed McNamara from SHI on Twitter threw like just a gallon of ca- gallon of gasoline on the Twitter on the Twitterverse and was I think regretting it late in the day based on his mentions afterward. Um, but just to throw the fuel on another referee conspiracy, it looked like Andrew Funk of Penn State was out of bounds. Didn't look like he was out of bounds before his last ditch shot, as per highlights video on ESPN. <clears throat> yet it was not called. I realize it's a quibble at this point, but. What the hell? CJ in Basking Ridge says, uh, of course, I didn't see it at the time, but I am not a Big Ten referee paid to make these calls. As Ed points out, he's looking right at it. The ref standing there right at it, and yet they didn't call it. I mean, I don't have a question here, but wow. You know how the PGA Tour has a hotline
2: where fans watching on TV could call in and snitch on guys cheating? The Big That's Ten should, have, they should yeah. have a hotline. where fan that, that hotline would explode within five minutes Uh, Every every charge call, every block, every out of bounds. They should have uh, fans patrolling the sidelines and just pointing every play. Like he's out of bounds. He's out of bounds. I know you're being. I know you're joking, but let's get that. We we know what
1: Twitter Twitter is basically, right?
2: Sure, pretty much. Yes. (laughs) So we should have a Big Ten official. Uh, You guys watch. I don't know how much soccer you guys watch, but there's the video uh, review booths where they have other referees like sitting down watching replays and kind of communicating. They should have just a, a guy sitting in a room with four monitors of Twitter. And then communicating with the referee, uh, where Ed, Ed McNamara of Shy Stadium, uh, uh, Mr. Mister Referee, he just tweeted that the ball was out of bounds. They'll stop the play immediately and end the game. They'll, why even have referees at this point? We should just have fans call the game live, give them all whistles, and then put the vo- volume on the monitor and let them whistle every time there's a foul. So I think that would be much more efficient. And that way, no one would have complaints because fans know exactly what happens on every play and they're never wrong. I mean, but his foot's right on the line, though. But I mean, what, did, so
0: what happened, if he made it?
1: But what if he made? If he made game? that
0: shot, and they lost two road games in the Big Ten because of the same call. I mean, uh,
2: first uh, they would go to overtime, and Rutgers would have a chance to come back from this game. Second of all, I watched it a couple times, and I can't tell definitively if the bottom of his foot touched oh, the floor or if it was above. Oh.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying he did You're or did. Looking didn't. at I'm the saying, picture of it here, I this, watched the uh,
2: video of it. I watched I the sequence you. of it, and I couldn't tell. So I'm not saying he was or wasn't out of bounds. I'm saying I couldn't tell. So right. and also it's a tough spot for referee to make that call.
0: You know, right. My favorite thing about, so you mentioned the golf thing, Dan Wetzel, this is a bit of an aside, but Dan Wetzel, the ex- excellent columnist at Yahoo sports during one of the masters where it turned out that Jim Nance himself called in and saw that Tiger Woods had made an illegal drop in, in one of the replays or, and called up the masters and told them that, and it became a huge kerfuffle as well. not he was going to get disqualified. Well, well, Dan Wetzel put said anybody can call apparently anybody can call and rule and put the Masters phone number in his column at Yahoo Sports and just shut down the shut down the switchboard apparently until they had to call him and up, up in the press room and beg him to take the number out off and he's like well it's I mean it's listed in information anyway sorry but that's just a little aside I love that story all right one last question and of course it begins with okay maybe not for the podcast we'll answer anything on this podcast you must know that by now. But does Rutgers fly or bus when they play at Maryland or Penn State? They, they bus to Penn State. They bus to Penn State. They bus to Penn State. I believe they also bus to Maryland. They also bus to Maryland. So busing is like a three-hour. Do they? they bus? Did they bus? Bus to Boston? I don't think so. I think they flew to Boston. I, I oh to
2: to when they play Temple at Mohegan. When they play
0: Boston College? I mean,
2: oh um, you mean football? Yeah, I think football would fly to Philadelphia. I don't, I think, <laughs> no, they, they bust was, the temple yeah i'm sorry this that,
0: football fly to penn state uh
2: no i believe they bust as well they eat the, the i believe, I believe they bust to the boston i'm just i'm just being a, a bit uh, facetious here I, th- I believe they bust to the boston i'm fairly yeah. certain basketball bust to, to uh, mohegan sun um i think anywhere busable they'll bust, and then anywhere they have to take a plane they
0: like ohio columbus they fly out obviously 87 individual helicopters for the football team to get to Penn State. All right. Good question. I didn't know the answer to that. All right. Uh, What else? I know what else. Wrestling. What's going on, Pat? Bring me up to date.
1: All right. Let's bring you up to date. So the Big Ten tournament starts on Saturday. It's at Ann Arbor in Michigan. And uh, Rutgers this year doesn't have a guy that's going in that's favored to win. They have a bunch of guys that they're going to get through to nationals. I think the over under is probably about five or six um, based on the allocations and things like that. But Rutgers highest seed in brackets of 14 is six. And that's Boone McDermott at heavyweight. So, um, you know, we knew this all along this whole season that this was a gritty team, like with just a lot of scrappers without a real hammer, as they like to say in wrestling. And that's what we're kind of seeing now in the Big Ten tournament. So the goal will be to get as many guys through to nationals as possible and uh like i said i think the over under is about 5 or 6
0: But so 6 would be a good a good year nationals for records this year
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and then and then when they get to nationals it's about can they keep their streak of all american stat like they've had an all american the last 7 years can they get someone to finish in the top 8 at nationals who's the best chance going?
0: who's the best chance of that
1: well dean peterson their 125 pounders looking really good um, but he's in this crazy bracket in the Big Ten where he's actually the eight seed. Um, that just to show you how good the Big Ten is, the Big Ten could get eight spots in nationals. Yeah, I, I think he's a really good shot. Joey Oliveri at 141 could be a sleeper if he has a really nice tournament. And then Boone McDermott, the heavyweight, I think has an outside chance uh, at, at potentially being top eight. So I think that keep an eye out on those three guys.
0: All right. Women's basketball, the 11th seed in the Big Ten. That's a, that's, Pretty amazing job by Cookies Washington in our first year. Got to give her credit. Eight players in that team. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's good stuff. Do you know? Who, do we know who they play?
1: Northwestern.
0: Northwestern? Okay.
1: Who's the 14, right?
0: Correct. I would assume if they're the 11. Correct. Yeah. Good math. Yeah. yeah. Um, good job by her. I mean, I, Joey Chandler for our staff has done a good job covering them this year. You look at some of the stories about uh, a couple of – Players, bright future, good recruits coming in. That seems like they're, you know, for her first season, for a team that's going to have a losing record. Uh, eight players, not bad. Don't think uh, they could have hoped for anything better, to be honest. Yes, absolutely. Let's uh, see so what else. Anything else? Final thoughts? All right. Well, then on that note, let's sign off. We'll be back. I guess we'll be back next week to preview the Big Den tournament, correct? To sum up the sum up the senior day to see where the team is. Selection Sunday fun. This is going to be great. It's March Look at it this way, guys. It's March. Your team's probably going to be in it for the third straight year. That's just cool. So we'll be here to recap it all. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.